0: We are in part 13 of our King series, and I entitled today's message, Twice the Anointing. We're going to be covering Elisha again. We did three weeks on Elijah. We're going to do three weeks on Elisha. And if you remember when they did the handoff, Elisha asked for twice the blessing, double the blessing. And he said, Well, if God wants to do that, great. And we wanted to find out if that was going to be the case. So the Bible is going to connect some of the similar miracles Elijah did. To what Elisha did and then more. Just to give you that idea that, yep, same anointing, but even greater is on Elisha. So we're going to talk about that today. Um, and we're going to be talking an awful lot about the supernatural. We're going to be talking about our God being the king of provision, the God that cares about his people and brings blessing on their lives and does the miraculous for them. All these things are going to be extraordinarily powerful to boost your faith and encourage your life. But we always want to make sure that our relationship is getting deeper with the Lord and that we're not just looking for what he can do for us. Yeah? Amen? All right. But I got a couple stories that I would like to begin by telling you about our, our leadership team around the church. We've had a pretty crazy last couple months. Um, two in particular stories. Number one, I mentioned to you recently that One of our elders that had been a long-term elder, he had stepped down from the board last year, named Glenn Cardinella. He was very involved in a lot of different pieces that we did here, but very instrumental in getting us into this campus, did a lot of the work behind the scenes, did a lot of the negotiation stuff. Really, really great man. He and his wife, they have grown kids and grandkids. Um... And of course, as cool as Glenn is, we all like Becky more. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's always the wife's better than the dude. But anyway, you probably assume that. Now, they are, as a couple, they, health-wise, vibrancy, they run circles around me, right? They're really, really sharp folks. So they were visiting their, their grown kids up in Idaho, Boise area. One night, they're at their hotel room. And he was messing around with a the thermostat for whatever reason. It was about 11 o'clock at night. And he heard Becky make a sound. She was in bed. So he went to go check on her, and she was unresponsive. Of course, that, you know, it's going to cause his heart to drop, and he's, he's worried about her. And so he's like, well, what do I do? You know, all that training, whatever you've had, you know, either it kicks in or it doesn't. He ended up calling the paramedics um, and then called his... Son in law and his daughter, who were just down the hallway in another hotel room, and he said, You know, something's wrong with mom. She's not responding. I'm going to do CPR. Well, his son in law says, You know what? Don't listen real close. Can you hear her breathing? I know she's not responsive, but is she breathing? He said, Well, I think so. He said, Don't do that. He said, Just wait. The paramedics are on their way. Well, praise the Lord. They were only 10 minutes out. So they came in. Well, what had happened to fast forward the story is that she had what's called an aortic tear. Now an aortic tear is where the valves in your heart, they, they rupture. And when they bleed out, it's just, there's nothing to stop that. So it's surviving an aortic tear just, just doesn't really happen. Right? So of course that start to heart attack and a bunch of other things. And it was just shocking because she was in such good health. Well, Had it, they got to the hospital. They got her on bypass machines. And he started to have, we got the text when he was starting to have those conversations where you have to determine, are we going to resuscitate? What are we going to do? And so he was texting all of us as, as elders and saying, you know, I, I never thought I'd have to have this conversation. And he said, I'm so scared, you know. And they had her on the bypass machine. And so they thought, you know what? We were able to repair her heart, but is she going to be alive with us cognitively? So there was a big question. And the prayers began to change, and then let me let me cut to the end. She was here last night. She's been here for weeks. <laughs> As a matter of fact, yeah, praise God, right? Woo. You see, the prayers went from "Is she going to live?" to is she going to have any brain capacity to what are going to be the ramifications to what about her kidney shutting down to oh wait now she's so good Glenn said it looks like we created a huge hoax because she's doing so fantastic she was in here just soon after they came back from Idaho and she's been here every week and she's doing fantastic now no it doesn't always go like that does it you know what I mean? You're doing these these radical prayers for this this miracle because that shouldn't have gone like that, and a lot of times it doesn't. You know, just after that, um, we have a gentleman who's been around this church for a really long time, super man of God. He's been part of our facilities team for years. His name's Dave Brechin. He and his wife Jan have four kiddos, um, and you know their kids are are grown and there's now grandkids, stuff like that. Well, in their family of six, three of them have had cancer, right? Which just sounds like, wow, that's really unfair, right? You know, 50% of your family has cancer. So it was breast cancer and then brain cancer. and, And so Jan and Dave, the parents, got a chance to see God miraculously lift their children out of cancer, two different children well, then Jan got cancer, right? And so we've been praying and firing, you know, uh, in the supernatural and really covering them and covering them. Well, just the other day, we had this celebration of life for her. She had passed. And, and, and what happens when you hear those two stories together, you say, well, how come God did it for one and didn't do it for the other? And that would be a mistake. You see, let me, let me just tell you that. Do you understand that any healing in this life is temporary? Uh, Paul the Apostle said, it is, I, I desire to depart and be with the Lord which is greater by far. What was his point? Here's his perspective. And maybe you can adopt this. I'm not quite this mature, so maybe you can adopt this perspective. But, but the analogy will help. Imagine that your child is playing on the freeway and cars are whizzing by and there's a car coming on the incoming lane and you scoop up the child and move them to another lane. That's healing in this life. At some point, as a parent, your overwhelming nature of protection says, I got to get him out of the freeway. That's when God takes you home. Because as long as we're still down here, there's still danger flying in the air. There's still stuff going on. There's still disease. There's still pain. But one day there will be no more pain, right? One day there will be no more tears. One day everything will be right. And so, for a father, it must be very difficult for him to leave us here at all when he'd much rather have us safe. So what we saw between those two beautiful women of God is God did full protection on one and partial protection in another. But either way, we glorify him. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm going to be praying for healing for everybody because I can only see it from this side, right? And so to me, I want them with me I want I want to protect and pray for healing and all that and we're going to keep doing that we're going to keep praying miracles into this place and and in allowing God to move in that way but I think that if we had a true perspective we would want to be with the Lord see the fill in the blank on the sheet in front of you and if if you are um watching online then I would just encourage you to fire up the app it's on there you can follow along with us the fill in the blank is this God doesn't work like you think he should God doesn't work like you think he should. It rarely goes the way that we figured it would. Good and bad. I mean, even the good ways are complicated and the bad ways are complicated and it always seems to be complicated, but God's really good at caring for his kids. Just know this, burn this into your mind. If you knew what God knew, you would agree. Does that make sense? Like whatever, if you're always going, God, I don't understand, I don't understand, I don't understand. If you knew what he knew, you'd be good. Because you'd be like, yep, that was the right choice. Every time. That's why, since we don't have that information, we have to be what? We have to trust. We have to believe. We have to know that God is good, and we have to hang on to that, even when circumstances start messing with our heads, right? God is good all the time. Yeah, amen? So I'm going to be teaching a lot on the supernatural today uh, as we're studying some of God's provision miracles, healing miracles, radical stuff, raising people to life, stuff like that. We're going to be studying that. But I don't want you to miss the bigger picture. The bigger picture is that we're in the king series. And if you remember, ancient Israel said, we don't want God as our king. We want an earthly king. Well, that's not been working out super, super awesome for them. And so what is God going to do while they're relying on these kings that are failing them and being selfish and all this stuff? god is still going to be the king and so god is still doing the miracles when in providing when the kings can't provide he's protecting when the kings can't protect right god is still doing the god king stuff even though they didn't want him he is the one that is listening to every one of our prayers because we're his children he's the one providing for us and giving us miraculous things that we didn't even ask for just remember our king is good and our king is right amen Amen. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. 2 Kings 4.1. If you need a Bible, there should be one under the seat in front of you. It's page 309 where we're going to be at. We're in the ESV. 2 Kings 4.1. Read this story about some n- unending oil. You're like, haven't we already done this? No, 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 no. Pastor Parnell taught us the unending flour and oil miracle of Elijah. We are now doing Elisha, different miracle, different scenario. Here we go. Now, the wife of one of the sons of the prophets, that's the group they hung out with. All these people were prophetically gifted, but they were family men. Cried to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, but the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. All right, let's just pause right there. What, what is the problem? We have a money problem, yeah? The money problem is this. In the ancient world, if you borrowed money, you were on the line for it. If you couldn't pay it off, you worked it off. Well, that meant that you would be enslaved or put into permanent servanthood until you paid it off. And if you couldn't pay it off in your own lifetime, you were a lifelong slave. Well, the guy is gone. The wife can't work it off. So now they're coming after the sons this is all she has left. She's going to lose everything. So she goes to her husband's boss, Elisha, and she knows that he is a miracle worker of God. She says, you got to help me out. Look at his response. Verse two, Elisha said to her, what do you want me to do for you? Tell me, what what do you have in the house? What is he asking for? Well, what are we working with, right? Now he asked that for two reasons. Number one, he asked it because it's practical, He's asking, what do you have of value? We have a money problem. What do you have of value in the house that we can liquidate quickly? He's not asking for an inventory. He's not asking for, right, well, we have that queen bed that uh, my mother-in-law gave me. We have the, the dishes, right? He doesn't care. He's saying, what do you got that we can convert to cash real quick? The second reason he asked that question is he knows this principle. God Tends to endow with a supernatural whatever is ordinary in your hand already. What do I mean? What he does is like with Moses, right? He's like, Moses, I need you to go down and get my people free. And he's like, How in the world are we going to do that? He's like, Well, I'll show them through some miracles. Like, with what? He's like, Well, I don't know. What do you got? Well, I got a stick. Okay, cool. Let's use a stick. Right? So in your life, we always tend to look in our pockets for something fancy. Oh, how am I going to be a big deal for the ministry? You know what? God doesn't need a big deal for the ministry. He is the big deal in the ministry. You know what I'm talking about? He just needs availability, <laughs> right? So he just needs you to go, uh, I have a quarter. Remember the little kid that's like, well, I got five loaves and two fish. I mean, that was it. He's like, whatever you got, we can work with that. I don't need nothing fancy. Just tell me what we're working with. So sure enough, he says, well, what do you have that we can convert to cash? And she said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Okay, now, have you heard this story before? Anybody familiar with this story? Okay, how did you picture the oil? What kind of oil is it? Olive oil? Well, yeah. So uh, here's what I always thought it was. I always thought it was Wesson oil. (laughs) Right? Maybe that was, because I'm largely hungry a lot. Maybe that's it. But I always pictured, you know, kind of cooking oil. Because when you go home, I don't have anything left. I got a little bit of cooking oil. And, but that's not likely what it is. It was anointing oil. Now, that's not something we picture. Why would it be anointing oil? Well, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, the, the best translation of it is I have one application left. So it was a personal cosmetic anointing. It wasn't always necessarily an anointing oil on somebody. It was that I'm going to a party and I want to shine up and I want to look good. It was an expensive cosmetic oil, but she only had one application left. So whatever she used to have in the jar has all been used up. She doesn't have anything left. But if we're talking about something valuable, well, that's the only valuable thing she has. The other reason... It's because he was asking, what do you have in the house? She said, I don't have anything there, but just a little bit of this oil. It's not that she was completely poor and didn't have anything there. It's just that that's the only thing that could be valuable. All right, let's move forward. Verse 3, then he said, go outside and borrow some containers from all your neighbors, empty containers, and not too few. Get a whole bunch of them. Then I want you to go in, shut the door behind yourself and your sons, pour into all these containers, and when one is full, set it aside. Okay, let's pause there. That's a weird solution. Many times when God wants to do a miracle in your life, you have to walk through what's called the I'm going to look stupid test. (laughs) Have you noticed that? I bet you anything there's a majority of us in this room that do not have a miracle in our lives because we did not pass that test. We don't want to look stupid here's what's weird we're willing to hang on to all sorts of pain and disease as long as we don't look stupid how weird is that god wants us to be free and we're so worried about our pride we're so worried about i'm not doing that hey you know what you could go up front and get prayer yeah i don't do that you don't do what walk i don't go i don't go to up front that's for those people i'm sorry who what people those are like for needy people, uh, don't you have a need? <laughs> but what ends up happening is, okay, so you don't have your miracle. Okay, great. You feel better about yourself now? You know what I mean? Uh, the times when he was trying to move you to do the miraculous through you, I need you to pray over that person. No, I'm not doing that. Why? Because it's, I'm, it's, I'm going to look stupid. And what? That it? So she had to go through that because now it involves her neighbor's. Go borrow stuff from your neighbors. Will you think the neighbors aren't going to ask you tomorrow what you needed the container for? What are you going to say? Well, what if it doesn't work? That's embarrassing. Please don't ever let embarrassment or pride ruin your, heal, your healing or your miracle, right? We've got to get over ourselves. All right, so she did it, verse 5. So she went with him, and she shut the door behind herself and her sons, and she, as she poured... They brought the vessels to her, and when the containers were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. He said, well, we don't have any more, and the oil stopped flowing. So she came and told Elisha, and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on the rest. A couple things about that. I'm going to say the most common thing that I say all the time, which is only the empty portion of a container can be filled. What does that mean? It means some of us are so full of ourselves, there's no room for the Holy Spirit, Our lives should be a cycle of consistently saying, I need to decrease that he might what? Increase. Some of us are so full of fear, God can't even move. Some of us are so full of anger, there's no room for the Holy Spirit to operate. Are, Are we too full for God to do the miraculous in our lives? Are we too distracted? Does he have any room to move in this church? Have we overprogrammed to where the Holy Spirit couldn't take over if he wanted to take over? You understand what I'm saying? These are things that I'm trying to process all the time. Does God have sufficient room? Because he's the only one that can do the real cool stuff, right? I mean, he's the only one that can, that can really bring about transformation and miracle and all that stuff. It's not going to be a person. It's going to be him. So we need to make room for him. How do you make way for the king, Right? Isn't that the question? Here's the other thing is he said, all right, so now you filled up your whole house is like awkward containers full of this expensive oil. Now we're talking because that's something you can sell. It wasn't like jugs and jugs of Wesson oil, right? That's kind of my point is that it was tons of expensive oil. He said, all right, now you can pay your debts. Then you can go live on the rest. But what do you do first? You pay your debts. It was very important to him to go, no, 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 we're going to clear this out. We don't need the creditors over us. We don't need to go off and do something else and they're still coming after us. This isn't like, oh my gosh, Bahamas. You understand what I mean? This is get it cleared out, move on, pay it off, and let's go forward. But I want you to see the abundance. He didn't just give enough for the creditors and then all of a sudden they're going to be in trouble again next month is that he was a God of abundance. He didn't just give him a miracle for today. He gave him a miracle for a bunch of days, right? And if they manage it well, then they're going to be taken care of as if he was a, what? A father to the fatherless and a husband to the widow. Intriguing, yeah? That's what God promised to be. And he's like, so let's say I'm the dad here. Let's say I'm the husband here. I'm providing for you as if your husband was still here, but he's not here, but I never moved. I know you lost him. You didn't lose me. I'm right here with you and you're going to be all right. But I want you to see the abundance. You see, there's a story we're not going to cover where Elisha multiplied loaves. You know how Jesus multiplied loaves and fish? Elisha did the same thing. He multiplied 20 little tiny single person loaves to feed 100 people. And there were leftovers when Jesus fed the 4,000 and then he fed the 5,000 were there leftovers every time what was the point of leftovers because God never wanted someone to say well we all just ate less right well we all just ate less that's how we got it to stretch no it was a miracle how do we know that because if you ate less and there's leftovers you'll eat the leftovers because that's not taking anyone's food away right So you'll eat the leftovers, but still, after everyone is done, we still have tons of leftovers. That's the God of abundance. Some of us, we limit what God is willing to do. God, can you just get me through this one day? And he's like, I can get you through the entire thing. I don't need just one day. God, can you just scratch and claw and get me one more? Hold on. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I'm good at this stuff. I know how to take care of my people, right? So please don't let your lack of faith limit God's blessing. Let him limit what he gives you, not you. Does that make sense? All right, two people nodded. (laughs) I'm not doing well. Okay, here we go. I'm gonna move on to a a second story. A second story, I'm gonna give you kind of the update and then we'll jump into the story midstream. So Elisha had a right-hand man named Gehazi, just like Elijah had a right-hand man named Elisha. They would travel around. The the nation of Israel at this time has gone into pagan worship. They're worshiping other gods. So the men of God were kind of displaced and they were all over the nation. So Elisha and Gehazi would travel around and lead classes. They would kind of encourage people and go from this place. He sometimes he lived in Mount Carmel, sometimes he lived up in this area. Well, as he went through the north in the tribe of Issachar in the area now known as Galilee where Jesus grew up there was a town called Shunem and up in that town he would kind of go through and there was a, there was a really wealthy couple that were there they happened to strike it up and they honored him and they really had a lot of respect for what he did and so they would bring him into their house and let him hang out and kind of couch serve him in Gehazi right When they're in town. Well, after a little while, she's like, hey, babe, can we just make these guys a place? We got the money, we got the location, we have tons of space up on our roof. Let's just make them like a little condo, right? So, sure enough, they build one out. Every time he comes through there, he stays at the condo. They can do their writing, they can sleep for the night. It was really, really generous. It was awesome. So, Elisha and Gehazi are chatting one day, and he's like, hey, can you go get that lady? We got to do something for her. She's been way nice to us. So he runs and goes get her, and she said, yeah, what's up? And he said, you have been overly kind to us. What can we do for you? We don't have a lot, right? I mean, obviously, that's why we're staying with you, (laughs) right? But I will say this. Right now, we have a really good relationship with the king, which, trust me, is not always the case. Uh, We know the commander of the army, um, is there anything we could put in a word for you? Is there something you got going on in the court system or anything like that? She said, no, we're good. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Well, that was awkward. So she leaves. He's talking with Gehazi and he's like, dang, I want to give her something. What do you think she'd want? And Gehazi's like, I think she wants a kid. I'm sorry. What's that? Well, I think she wants a kid. Well, why do you think she wants it? Did she say she wants a kid? Well, no, but think about it, boss, this way they're really wealthy. They're going to lose everything when they pass away. They don't have any lineage and their family property is going to go away. And so if we want to talk about something that's going to bless them with longevity, kids, I mean, you can tell they haven't had any kids. So she's had to deal with a stigma her whole life. So it would be a blessing for her. Elisha's like, well, dang, I, I didn't even think of that. Well, go get her. Now, in typical male fashion, neither of the men ever ask her what she wants. <laughs> you noticed that? Like, what the heck? Right? Here, I brought you flowers. I'm allergic to those. I brought you chocolate. Well, I'm dieting. So, you know what I mean? So, sure enough, he, she comes up to him and he goes, uh, this time next year, you're going to have a child. And she's like, don't mess with me. Like, this isn't even funny, dude. I don't know if you understand what I've walked through, but we're not going to play this game. So please don't get my helps up. And he's like, no, I'm serious. You're going to have a child. Well, sure enough, a year later, she has a child. And that little one grows up and everything seems great. And around five, six years old, he's out with dad working in the fields, you know, kind of this idea of, oh, I wonder what dad's doing. All of a sudden he starts complaining of a headache and then more head pain and more head pain and he falls over and dies. They pick up the little guy and they... She runs him into Elisha's little condo and lays him on Elisha's bed, shuts the door and says to her husband, I need a servant and I need a donkey. I'm going to see Elisha right now. And he's like, what's up? She's like, nothing. Okay, whatever. Boom. She takes off 20 mile ride. She's like, I'm going now. So uh, she heads on out and Gehazi, they're, they're looking out and they notice that, man, From their vantage point in Mount Carmel area, they're like, isn't that the Shunammite woman? And Elisha goes, something's not right. Why is she here? She would have let us know that she was coming. And the Lord is not letting me know what's going on. He's blocking me. Now, you have to remember, Elisha had that super creepy ability to know what was going on, right? I mean, he had that ability of foresight, and he was telling what the enemy armies were doing. God gave him so much insight, but not this time. He's like, I, I have no idea. I can't read it. God's not telling me. Dude, run out there and find out if she's okay. So Gehazi goes out, and he's like, is everything fine? She goes, it's fine. Blows right past him. She goes into the house, falls at Elisha's feet, and grabs hold of his ankles. Now, now in, in today's world, trust me, I have a security team. It would still be weird if you did it. Uh, you, you might get hurt. I'm just saying. But... Um, but it's not an oddity about the idea that you would you would touch me in that world women don't touch men in public men don't touch women in public and especially not holy men so the whole idea that she would grab hold of him. remember Gehazi one of his jobs is to be security and he's like dang it how did she get past me right I didn't think anything was wrong so he's about to body slam her and get her away from him When all of a sudden, Elisha goes, hold on. She's not doing right. Something's not good. Back off. And he said, ma'am, tell me what's going on. She goes, I never asked you for this. I never asked you for a child. This was your idea. And you know what? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I would have rather not had a child than have a child and lose a child. And my child, right now, is laying in your bed and my house, dead, told you don't start my heart that way if this is how it's going to end what are you going to do with that so he goes into reaction mode and that's where we pick up the story you ready let's jump in in chapter 4 verse 29 so Elisha tells Gehazi tie up your garment take my staff in your hand and go if, if you meet anyone, don't greet them. If anyone greets you, don't even reply. Lay my staff on the face of the child. Then the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I won't leave you. So he arose and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead, laid the staff on the face of the child. There was no sound or sign of life. Therefore he returned to meet him and told him the child has not awakened. Let's pause right there. What was this plan? the Gehazi with a staff plan. Is that a thing? I mean, can you really say, I, I have connection with God, I anoint this stick, you take the stick to the kid, and then that will bring the kid back to life. Why were they rushing? Why was it, hey, go, don't even talk to anybody in the way, let's get in there. What, what is all this about? Well, there's actually reasons for all this. Um, let me share my opinion on this. I think they're rushing because they're human. You see, I think that as humans, we fall into the camp of, of trying to say, I think we still have a shot if we can hurry in there while things are not quite as desperate. Maybe, maybe she misread. Maybe the child's not totally dead. Maybe the child is only kind of dead. And we think somehow we, we talk to God about what is easier for him and harder for him. Do you understand how absurd that is? Only in our world do we have easier and harder. In God, we only have easier. You see, over and over, God had to demonstrate, oh, look, Lazarus was in the tomb for a really long time. He's dead, right? Oh, there he is. Jesus is in the tomb a really long time. He's totally dead. Oh, there he is. What was God's point? I'm in charge of death and life. Nothing is too hard for me. Like you, you're going, oh, Lord, seriously, it's not, it's not cancer. It's only the flu. You can help me. Out. Oh, that makes it easier for me. <laughs> nothing is difficult. So please stop telling me what is hard and what is easy for me. It's all easy for me. The only question is, is it right and good? That's the only question I'm asking. It's got nothing to do with whether or not I can. Of course I can. The other thing is, what about this whole, I'm going to anoint the stick thing? Is that, is that a thing? Here's what's funny. So there's there's a lot of talk about, you know, do you believe in the supernatural now? And is there miracle gifts and all that stuff? I'm just going to let you know, you're in a scripture-soaked, spirit-led congregation. So we believe heavily in miracles today. We believe in the gifts. All the gifts are operating today. Um, but let me, let me just share, that whole anointing of objects, this is where people get off And go, you know what, that's not a thing. Well, clearly it is a thing. Why? Because they just did it. And you go, yeah, but it didn't work. Yeah, but why did they do it? Because it worked last time. Like there is an idea that he was saying, listen, you can take this over there and you can take this over there because I'm imparting the blessing God's given me onto this object and I'm going to move it over there. You can go use that because it's not me. It's not you. It's not the stick. It's God. God's the same. Doesn't matter where it goes. And you're like, yeah, well, that was an Old Testament weird thing. Nope, it wasn't. How do we know that? New Testament, book of Acts, Paul's handkerchiefs were used to heal people and cast out demons. His handkerchiefs. Anointed. This is a New Testament thing. This is a God thing. Okay, so why didn't it work? And you're like, well, because it's Gehazi. It needed to be Elisha. No! No! This falls into another trap. We determine what God can do based on who he's going to use. That is completely bogus. Do I believe that some people are more gifted than other people in certain areas? Absolutely I do. Do I believe that some people are hyper gifted in healing? Yes. And is God going to use them as point people more often than other people? Yeah, but it's not them. It's still God. Either it's God or it's not at all. So all right even though people are gifted and anointed it's not that they're more special god's the only special one in the story so we need to have a culture of honor which means i realize that who i'm really looking for help from is god and the eh. (laughs) mediator. right the mediator who really cares because god has used donkeys in the past right so we can use them today you'll know whether or not this is a problem for you when things get desperate in your life and you come to church and you want prayer and you go, well, you can go up front and get prayer from the prayer team. And you go, no, I need a pastor. Now you've fallen into that thinking. Why? That person's more holy than this person. Is it God or is it not? Okay. So God can move through a pastor. God can move through a non-pastor. It's still God. So we need to have an honor for one another to go, God can use you just as easily as he can use somebody that's a paid professional. Does it matter? Of course it matters. Why? Jesus went back to his hometown of Nazareth and couldn't do any miracles there. Why? Because a prophet is without honor in his own hometown. The minute you start making someone too familiar and you determine that God cannot use that person, it pulls away all God's ability to use them. If you keep saying the prayer team is no big deal, you're not going to receive blessing from them. We need to have an honor of saying, who are we really seeking? We're really seeking God. Where is our help coming from? It's coming from God. And God can use anybody. I told you before that we've had more miracles in one service when we all stood up and prayed for each other than we had at any time that the professionals prayed for somebody, right? Why? Because it was always God. And God can move through you. That's why when he taps you on the shoulder to go pray for somebody, please don't assess whether you're worthy enough. I'm going to give you the answer to that one real quick. No, you're not. (laughs) And move on, right? So, okay, great. Are you worthy? Nope, none of us are. That's not the point. God is worthy. So go for it by all means, right? Okay, we'll keep moving on. Uh, It says this. He said, the child hasn't awakened, verse 32, when Elisha came into the house, he saw the child lying dead on his bed. He went in, shut the door behind the two of them, prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and lay on the child, putting his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands. He stretched himself upon him and the flesh of the child became warm. Oh, sounds like the engine's getting started. Verse 35, then he got up again, walked once back and forth in the house, went up, stretched himself upon him. The child sneezed seven times. The child opened his eyes. He summoned Gehazi and said, call the woman. So he called her and she came and he said, pick up your son. She came and fell at his feet, bowing to the ground, picked up her son and went out. Awesome, right? Sounds so clean and easy. Let me tell you how it really went. I've been involved in a lot of supernatural stuff and this is all very, very familiar to me. What is that? It's the complete not knowing. God is not someone to be manipulated. God is not someone to be controlled. God is not someone that you find the right formula and now he has to do everything that you, you rub the lamp so he has to do the wishes thing, right? God is God and he doesn't stop being God just because he anointed you, right? So what ends up happening is you're still human so you're trying to react off all this and so why do you think he shut the door and blocked everybody out? I'll tell you why I would have because I can't handle distraction, I'm trying to get my head in the game. I'm freaking out right now. And I'm trying to pray in and I'm like, okay, I can't talk to you right now. And you crying and yelling, that's not helping me right now. So everyone needs to shut down and I need to focus. And then what happens is he does what he saw role modeled. A lot of our method that we use is whatever we saw role modeled. It's not a formula. It's a it's just whatever you saw. Well, Elijah laid out on somebody and healed him. So he's going to do the same thing. He lays out on the child, which by the way, I've never done myself. It's just awkward, right? Hello. Right. It's just strange. And you're like, pastor, I I only have like a sore throat. What, what do you, you nothing quiet. I'm trying to work here. So anyways, we have our legal team on it. (laughs) anyway that's it's not in my notes yeah um, totally (laughs) that's funny uh so uh, bottom line is that he does what he saw role modeling. he's laying there and then it's not working yeah the child got warm but the child is still dead and so what does he do he opens the door and starts walking around through the house what do you think he's doing? He's trying to get back in the, he's like, Lord, I don't understand. I don't understand. This isn't how it should go. We can't leave the woman like this. And you're just praying up a storm and you're just walking and walking. By the way, side note, do you realize why some of us walk while we're on the phone? You guys, are you guys walkers? Every time I'm on the phone, I'm walking all the time. I can think better when I walk. Do you realize it's because of the right left? concept it's that it's allowing your body to mellow out and so you can be soothed to focus in the same way when i'm praying it's easier for me to walk around to just be going i gotta think about this god what are you doing what are you doing what are you doing come on and then you go okay i'm back in and then you go in stretch out boom child sneezes seven times, gets up right and he's healed hands it back to the woman man it just seems so easy in the bible that was a mess I can tell you, when that child sneezed and woke up, Elisha was going, yes, because he didn't know how that was going to go. Interesting. Let's cover one last story as we close out our morning. Um, Syria, another nation in Israel, didn't get along. Uh, They kind of got along sometimes, and then other times they didn't. The kings didn't really like each other, and they'd attack each other, and well, there's one time they were kind of okay. Well, the commander of the Syrian army, his name was Naaman. God had given massive victory to this guy. And yeah, he's a pagan guy, worshiped another God and everything, but he was still being used by God. And he had leprosy. Now in the Bible, leprosy is a broad term for any type of skin disease. Any type of skin, rash, or whatever. They didn't know how to differentiate the ones that you'd lose a limb on and the ones you needed a little balm. You know what I mean? So they just called it all le- leprosy. You're like, no, I think it's eczema. They're like, nope, you're going to lose the limb. <laughs> so there was a stigma that was attached to it. And they're like, they would kind of hold them at arm's length, not sure what was contaminating or what was polluting or Contagious and so this guy rose all the way up to the right hand of the king but he still had leprosy and it was causing him personal concern well back home there was a little girl that worked for his wife and when i say worked for his wife i actually mean was stolen was human trafficked that syria was on a raid in israel one year and they stole this little girl and she now is a slave in their house but she integrated herself she wasn't bitter she integrated herself. She helped out a, a pagan master, kind of like Joseph, kind of like Daniel, kind of like a bunch of the people in the Bible. And she cared for her master, and she said to her, his, her master's wife, she said, Ma'am, I wish we were back in Israel again. Oh, why do you say that, hon? Because if we were there, then, then Master Naaman would be better by now. All his leprosy would be gone. Well, why do you say that? Well, because in Israel, we got a healer guy. You what? Yeah, we got a healer guy. His name's Elisha. I can even tell you where he lives. He does crazy cool stuff. Oh, okay. Well, hold on a second. Hey, babe. Do you do you know about the healer guy in Israel? No. What are we talking about? Well, come here. She says that there's a healer guy in Israel that could take care of your leprosy. Seriously? Nice. All right, cool. I'll write the king. So he goes to his own king, and he's like, king, here's the deal. Apparently, they got a healer guy in their back pocket. They could totally heal me up. I just need to take a quick trip over there. We'll give him some cash. You good with that? Sure, I'll write him a letter, right? Okay, so he gets on email. Uh, Dear king of Israel, this is the king of Syria, and apparently you got a healer guy on staff, and I would love for you to heal my dude Naaman. He's a really good guy. I know he's killed you in the past, but anyway, forget that. I just want to make sure that he's all better. Here's a ton of cash. Sign, King of Syria. Bloop. You've got mail. <laughs> King of Israel reads it. He's like, What the heck? I don't have a healer guy. I don't have anybody on staff that does. That's not a thing right? No, wait. You know what? He's trying to pick a fight because what he's going to be like, oh, why aren't you healing my God? I'm like, because I can't heal your guy. And he's like, you're only saying that you're hiding your healer guy. And then we're going to get in a big fight and there's going to be a big old huge problem. I know this dude. Elisha finds out about it and he goes, he's talking about me. The fact that you don't even know that is embarrassing. I'm the healer guy. Dude, we talked last week. <laughs> Hmm. so Elisha said send him my way pick it up in chapter 5 verse 9 so Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house and Elisha sent a messenger to him saying go and wash in the Jordan River seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you'll be clean but Naaman was angry and went away saying behold I thought that he would surely at least come out to me stand call upon the name of the Lord his God wave his hand over the place and cure the leper are not abana and Farpar the clear mountain streams of damascus better than these nasty waters in israel can i not wash in them and be clean so he turned and went away in a rage okay the story could have ended right there and you still got leprosy why because it didn't go the way you thought it would are we all missing out on our miracle because it didn't go the way we thought it would And if you come and ask our prayer team for healing and we didn't do the fancy thing that you thought we would do. And so you're like, nah, it's probably bogus. Well, how's it supposed to go? You don't know. We don't know. We're doing the best that we know. We're just going to our heavenly father, right? He's like, yeah, I thought he was going to do like a show. At least he could have showed up at the door. Doesn't he even know who I am? Ah, there's your first problem. Are you still thinking about how big and bad you are? wrong posture god's like nope you're out we're not focused on you we're focused on me he at least could have come to the door why why you don't like the servant coming to you because you're better than that is that what you're telling me well whatever and then he gives me this stupid thing oh washing the river washing your nasty i don't want to get in your dirty water Why do I need to wash in the river? That's dumb. I've taken a million baths. It's not helping. So he leaves. But check out what happens. It says, verse 13, but his servants came near and said to him, my father, it's actually a great word. The prophet spoke to you and you're not going to do it. All he said to you was wash and be clean. Okay. Do you have anyone in your life like this? Are you surrounded or have anybody of your friends that are more faithful than you that will encourage you and go, no, seriously, I think you should pursue the Lord? Or are all your friends the ones who are going, yeah, that does sound stupid, I wouldn't do that. What do you got around you? Who's encouraging you? Who's strengthening you? You got anybody like that? Because this guy still has leprosy if it wasn't for all of his servants. First the young girl, now these people going, you got to stay in there don't let your pride ruin the blessing come on it wasn't a difficult thing he just said go get wet so he went down by the way it's 20 miles to the river he went down and he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean man awesome but what did that look like how do you wash seven times? Do you have to go all the way in seven times? Go all the way out, dry off, go back in there. Do you get to just like pour a cup of water on your head seven, like how did, what is seven times? I have no idea, but somehow he figured it out and he's all good. Right. And he's just changed. Everything changed in his life. And he said, behold, now I know there is no God, but the God of Israel. And I will never again bow my knee to any other God but the God of Israel. This guy has radical transformation, goes back to Elisha, and he's like, Elisha, you're blowing my mind. God is so good. Man, I would love... Let me just give you everything I brought. I brought all this cash. I brought all these gifts. Let me just lavish gifts on you. You have changed my world. And Elisha said, no, thank you. He's like, what? It's not like a payment or anything. No, thanks. That's good. Oh, okay. Okay i know it's weird but can i ask you for two more things real quick um so first of all can i have some of your dirt it's like what can i have some of your dirt i believe in holy ground and it would be so sweet when i go back to syria to have like israel dirt where i could just hang out with god on my own israel plot of land that would be super cool yeah you can have my dirt Okay, cool. Uh, the other thing is, for my job, I actually have to go in with the king all the time into all those pagan temples and everything. And I used to worship with him, and now I know I'm totally not into that stuff. But, but I still have to do that for my job. Are we are we okay? Do I get a get out of jail free card for that? It's my job. It's not it's it's on me. We're good. Okay, cool. So he takes off, right? Takes mm-hmm. chariot, takes off, right? And then all of a sudden. This guy's running behind him. He looks in the rearview mirror. He's like, what? Pulls over. He opens up the door. Right? On his tour bus. And... And he's like, Gehazi, dude, what's up? Anything wrong? No, 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 everything's cool. Everything's cool. Um, Master Elisha was like, oh, I totally forgot. We were having these guys visit and they didn't have any clothes and they didn't have any money and anything. Anyway, so he's just wondering if you could just kick down a a little bit of stuff. He's like, yeah, absolutely. I was going to give you everything. So sure. Here, my servants will even carry it for you. And yeah, you bet. Just take it all. When they get back in, Gehazi takes all the money and hides it in his house. And then he goes back to work, shows up. Now you got to imagine this picture. Elisha's sitting in his little house. All the lights are off. There's just a fire. He's got a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> and his the big wing back chair. He's not even looking at the door. Gehazi, where have you been? <laughs> right. <laughs> and Gehazi's like, "What's that? Nope, nowhere, nowhere." Ah, throat was a little parched. Got a lozenge actually over at my house i uh, back now. I'm good. Do you really think that I didn't watch you follow the chariot? You think I didn't see the conversation when he stepped down out and you guys talked about the money? You think I didn't see that? What is wrong with you? Is this really the right time to get payment? That dude just got saved today, and you're worried about getting cash from him. You know what? Not only is your heart messed up, but remember the leprosy that went off him? It's now on you. And we're done here. You're out. And that's how the story ends. You guys, it never works out like we think it should work out. It never goes the way we think it should go. But God can do anything. The only thing that concerns the heart of God is what is right. Can he heal you? Yes. Will he? I don't know. That's between him and you. Can he? Yes. He is more than able. Can we have the prayer team come on up here as we close? The Bible says that if you are a child of God, God hears every single one of your prayers. You don't have to get his attention. You already have his attention. He's just sifting it through the heart of a good, good father as to whether or not it's appropriate for you right now. Sometimes he wants you to pray and then pray and then pray, and sometimes he wants to just bless you in the first time. Sometimes he wants to bless you through a specific individual with a divine appointment. Sometimes he wants you to just walk with him through the difficulty. We don't know, but he knows, so we trust him. So what we're going to do is I want to know if you need a miracle today, specifically for healing physically, because God still does that. So what I would like you to do is, um, and on our prayer team, what we're going to do is just, once again, if you could just keep your eyes out on the section in front of you, each and every prayer team member, just keep an eye on the section. Whoever is standing, you just lobby and fire in prayers for each individual. But if you need a physical healing miracle, I want you to stand up wherever you're at. Just stand up where you're at. We're going to pray for you. Physical healing miracle. You go, I already stood up one time. Stand up again. Right? We're going to pray for you right here, right now. As I pray through your body, I'm just praying that God would release and do what I can't do. There's no human being that can heal you today. Only your gracious and loving father. Amen. And but he can. Let's pray right now. Holy Spirit, we have read about the great and mighty things that you did through Elisha, that, that you would anoint him and then massive miracles. Father, the raising of the dead. We, our faith is at an all time high. But God, we are still your people. The Bible is still being written. We are the acts of the apostles. So Lord, we are praying that just as you move so mightily, would you move right here right now upon our people, that that right here, that we would give glory to you, that it's it's not a person, it's only you, God. So Lord, we are praying right now that you would begin to descend down like a cloud of healing. Over each and every one of us, Father, immediately would you allow peace to come across this entire campus. That, Father, that whatever is ailing us, whatever is hurting right now instantly stops. For a moment, we're just going to focus with you. So, God, we are praying right now that the atmosphere around us is electrified with your presence. And I'm praying right now in Jesus' name from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. Father, from everything from the very top within our hairline, within our skull, within our brains, Father, would you purify all tumors in Jesus' name? Would you remove all lesions in Jesus' name? Would you remove all toxicity in our brain in Jesus' name? God, would you begin to pour down through our eyes, Father, whether it is glaucoma, whether it is cataract, whether it is macular degeneration, whatever it is, Father, would you purify our eyes right here, right now? Would you begin to heal our sight and our health? Father, out into our ears that, Lord, we would begin to hear beautifully and perfectly. Whatever damage has been done, may it be righted in Jesus' name, that all the small little hairs, all the filia in the ear canal, Lord, would begin to quiver once again. Lord Jesus, would you begin to go down through and open up our sinuses and begin to allow us to have peace and freedom? Would you go through our teeth and our jaw and our neck and begin to make everything right, Lord, would you allow our shoulders to go light instantaneously, where we feel like everything has been removed that is a burden, that Jesus, across the traps in our back, Lord Jesus, we feel strength and ease and flexibility. Lord, I pray for shoulder pain right now in Jesus' name, that God, that whatever was a sports injury, whatever was a motorcycle injury, whatever was uh, a falling incident, God, I just pray. Pray right now, that it would be restored in Jesus' name, Lord. All the way through the torso, Lord, each and every organ, lungs begin to expand beyond what they normally expand. All scar tissue be removed in Jesus' name, damage that has been caused be removed in Jesus' name. All the capillaries, everything be cleaned out pure. In Jesus' name, Lord, all hearts be purified, AFib be completely reset right now in Jesus' name. God, all throughout everything that cleanses the blood, Lord, whether it is, um, Lord, and all the f- food purifying. Father, whether or not it is our liver and our kidneys and our gallbladder and pancreas and everything going on, Lord, would it be made right? Begin to function right in Jesus' name. Spleen be made right in Jesus' name. Would you allow the digestive system, Father, everyone that is struggling right now with digestive problems, would you wash across this place and heal up our stomach lining? God, throughout our hips, some of our hips are out of alignment. It hurts every time we walk. May the limp that doesn't need to be there anymore be gone in Jesus' name. Lord, down through our thighs, into our knees, into our ankles, into our heels, and the bottom of our feet, Lord, would you begin to re-lubricate the joints that hurt every day father would you begin to remove the arthritis and replace it with your beautiful and precious salve god i pray for everything that is related to the skin on the outside everything that is related to autoimmune be gone in jesus name father would you begin to boost up our immunity would you begin to make us healthier and stronger God, just because they're good gifts to your kids, not because we have to have it. Lord, we don't have to have anything. If we have you, we have everything. But just as a gift across this place to your children, God, begin to rework our memories and our minds and reset things that have been distorted in the past. God, I pray that we would have clear thoughts. I pray that we would have good sleep I pray that whatever patterns have been disrupted would be healed right here, right now. Father, I pray once again for endometriosis. I pray for any womb that is struggling. I pray for anything that is bringing pain in Jesus' name to be made whole. God, for all those engaging with us online, would you anoint them as they stand? Would you wash over them and purify them and heal them? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.